deals. And Bonds hits one high. It's a deep. It is out of here. The drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. It's out of here. It's out of here. Out of here. Outside Baseball with Seth Nevsky and Drew Frank. Hello and welcome to the Outside Baseball Podcast. My name is Seth Nevsky. With me through the power of Zoom is my co-host, Drew Frank. And Drew, how's it going on this great 13th Bar Mitzvah episode of Outside Baseball? It's good. Everything's uh, it's going well. And so far, uh, everything's been good in the baseball season. Yeah, outside of, uh, you know, the Cardinals and uh, <laughs> the Marlins. In the beforehand. recent baseball season. That's true. Things have seemed... In the last week, we've been good. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, basically, Fernando Tatis Jr., he's been lighting it up early on the season. Last time I checked, he was the first in war and was just smashing the ball. Didn't he have a, a grand slam the other day? Yeah, a controversial one. <laughs> uh-huh. Because everything in baseball is controversial, apparently. <laughs> uh, so in honor of Tatis Jr., we decided to highlight some upcoming rookies and sophomores. And Drew, because I am returning to the baseball scene... Most of these guys I haven't heard about, so I'm excited to learn. Yeah, most of these guys, they haven't even been in the baseball scene in terms of Major League Baseball. A lot of these guys either have just debuted or they're about to debut. All but two of the guys, I think, are rookies. Or some of them won't even be rookies this year. They'll be rookies next year, depending on how much playing time they get. But a lot of young guys and nobody over the age of 25. Yeah, and... and you know, doing this, uh, we've decided to organize it in terms of positions. So, you know, let's start with starters, if you want. And starter for the Detroit Tigers, Casey Mize, what can you tell me about him? Well, he is just about the biggest pitching prospect in baseball, at least in the American League. Mackenzie Gore, maybe with the Pirates, a lot of people have him slotted higher. But Mize was drafted not too long ago, and the day has finally come where he will debut tonight. He's set to debut against the White Sox, one of three rookies that the Tigers promoted this past week. They called up him and Scooball and Isaac Paredes all on the same day. And he's a pretty interesting pitcher because he doesn't have the typical 4-5 pitch mix. And he works mainly with a fastball and a splitter. And he'll mix in a slider as well. But that's about all you're going to see from him. It's just the splitter is such a strong pitch that it allows him to strike a bunch of guys out. And the control he has over all three of those pitches allow him to not allow too many base runners via the walk. And since the splitter and slider both break down on guys pretty heavily, he keeps the ball on the ground, which is really important, of course, in the direction baseball's headed with all the home runs and such. Uh huh. 23 years old, drafted first overall in the 2018 draft outside of high A for four games in 2018. He's pretty much killed it in his next high A year uh, in a double A and a rookie ball. So I'm, I'm excited to see him for sure. And now for the Chicago White Sox, we've decided to set an upper limit of 25 for this whole list of quote unquote rising stars. So he just hits it at age 25, Dane Dunning. So what can you tell me about him? Well, he's just debuting tonight, but we might have seen him last season if it wasn't for Tommy John surgery, which he had in March, wiped out all of his season last year. But yeah, it's it's kind of cool because we just talked about Mize and Dunning is going to be facing him tonight. They'll debut against each other, which is something you don't see all that often. 
but he was acquired from Washington in the Adam Eaton deal, which just looks better and better for these White Sox over time. They got Giolito, they got Dunning. The White Sox oftentimes maybe gets clowned a little bit for trading Fernando Tatis Jr. to the Padres for a rental pitcher, but at least they have this trade that they can kind of hang their hats on a little bit because Dane Dunning is one of the top prospects in this whole organization and a bit of a different pitcher than Mize, more of a traditional fastball slider, change-up curveball type guy. And he needs the control to be working. His fastball has some nice, strong downward movement. It sinks a little bit. And if he can keep the ball on the ground, he's facing a pretty uh, gentle Tigers offense. An offense that hasn't necessarily been lighting it up and a team that's on a big losing streak. So he could definitely start off strong tonight. All right, so real quick, I forgot to do this. Do you mind giving me a quick comp for both Mize and Dunning as we see them on the mound? Just off the top of my head, for Mize, it's the splitter that's going to be so important for him. So the two guys I think of that, that really use the splitter, Charlie Morton in Tampa, not quite the same build. And the fastball sits around the same range, so maybe that's fitting. Morton has the big curveball, but Mize is going to rely more on the splitter. And Dunning, a guy uh, I, I haven't seen pitch before because he hasn't debuted yet, but a sinker baller maybe kind of look like a, a Tanner Roark with hopefully a little more upside, a guy that's going to throw a lot of fastballs and rely on the control. Mm-hmm. And Dunning is also another guy who's pretty much done well at every level, except, you know, as you mentioned, he did not play in 2019, drafted 29th overall. So next we hit the Dodgers with Dustin May, who is 22. Uh, what do you have to say about May? Well, May is probably right now the far and away favorite for National League Rookie of the Year. He has been extremely good to start this season. Likely wouldn't even been on the team if it wasn't for Kershaw being hurt on opening day. But that's just a testament to how deep this Dodgers rotation has nothing to do with May not being ready or anything because, boy, he's sure an MLB caliber pitcher. I can't give you a comp because his stuff is so unique that there's I, I've never seen a starting pitcher like him. The best comp I can think of would be like prime Zach Britton out of the pen where he was throwing 98 and 99 with crazy, crazy sink on his pitches. But Dustin May, you don't see anyone that can hit 100 on a sinker, break it three, four inches horizontally and throw six or seven innings. It's just unheard of. He's only 22 years old, and he could be the best pitcher in baseball for some time based on what he's shown so far. Wow, very high praise, and so far through five starts, uh, he has an ERA of three and a FIP of 394. So yeah, he's certainly impressing in his rookie year. So next, we head to Toronto for Nate Pearson, who is 23 years old. Yeah, a guy that hasn't been the same type of starter as Dustin May so far. Right now, he's on the injured list with elbow tightness. He just got placed there this morning after a tough start in Baltimore last night. So don't know if that's been lingering, if that's been a problem. But he started off really strong with five scoreless innings against the Nationals. But then his last three starts, he's only gone 11 and a third innings pitched and surrendered 12 earned not pretty. The one thing with him is that he's he's known for his fastball, and that's what's going to get him success, or that's what's going to result in him maybe not hitting that ceiling that he's expected to. 
and we saw that he hit 103 and even 104 in the minor leagues, but we've seen him touch triple digits a little bit so far in the majors, but sitting at 96 isn't quite the same kind of pop, and maybe the injury factor's in there, maybe that's been lingering, but so far a bit of a mixed bag from him. Yeah, through four starts, 661 ERA, 761 FIP, and obviously a highly touted guy, so you know, hopefully he figures it out soon. Next, we head to San Diego for uh, Adrian Morjon. Morahan. Uh, 21 years old. What do you have to say about him? He debuted last night, and we saw him pitch for the first time in Texas, where he went three innings without allowing a hit, without allowing a run. Looks very strong. It's been kind of a common trend to see pitchers only go a few innings in their starts because of this very atypical season where guys aren't stretched out and guys aren't ready to go six, seven, eight innings. So maybe expect him to go a little deeper as the season progresses, but he looked good. His fastball can hit 97. He throws a strong curveball that breaks quite sharply. And we saw him throw a pitch yesterday that had... Really weird movement. It almost looked like a knuckle change-up type thing where it had one of the most bizarre releases I'd ever seen. I'll send you the picture real quick. It's very atypical. Yeah, that. I mean, he's really throwing that with his knuckles. Like, more so than actual knuckleballs. I, I barely see any nail on that ball, even. And it ended up having really weird movement where it just kind of floated and then had super late break to his arm side. So I I don't know if that's just something he was playing around with, but uh, either way, a very talented young pitcher and not the top end of this Padres prospect base, but they've been bottom feeders for so long that they just have such a great depth of prospects and Morahan is one of them that's just come up and looks ready to contribute yeah for sure especially with his first start I mean only three innings but pretty pretty good numbers and that pitch looks uh very very fascinating now we're on to the Tigers 23 year old Tariq Scooble Scooble yep nice first name Tarek though ah yeah he, he said in an interview that he's giving up on trying to correct people on his pronunciation. So uh, it's not an easy one. Yeah, he debuted last night against the White Sox, and he's a lefty that throws four pitches, but the problem with him last night was he wasn't finding the zone effectively with his slider, his changeup, or his curveball, which meant that the White Sox could just sit fastball, and they did. He wasn't able to pitch deeper than two innings, Gave up seven hits along the way and was pinned for a loss in his first career start. Not a great outing for the guy, but that was his very first start, and you figure he's going to grow off of that experience. He's projected to be a number two or number three guy, but kind of interestingly, he had better minor league stats than Casey Mize, despite Mize being a higher-end prospect. So... This guy, even though Scuba was only a ninth-round pick, he climbed very quickly, and at age 23, if he's already in the major leagues now and he's got time to learn on a team that is going to give him lots of opportunities, he could end up being a very strong mid-rotation piece. Yeah, speaking of better numbers, uh, do you have the numbers up or no? Because if you don't, don't pull them up. All right. So in nine starts in A last season, just guess his K per nine. 12. 17.4. Whew. I like I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. I mean good for him and you know hopefully he has some better luck next time for sure. If you're looking for a comp, 
maybe since he doesn't have the same type of electric fastball, but he does spin the ball quite a bit. There's a chance if it doesn't work out with him, and you know this team has talented pitching prospects coming up with Mize and just a few other guys in the system, you could maybe see him become like a Josh Hader type stopper because he does throw a sharp breaking ball, and if the command is there, he could maybe find success in that type of role. Yeah, and you know, a bunch of guys who start as starters find their way to the pen, and that's when they really hit their stride. I'm thinking about kind of way back at this point, but Andrew Miller, I yep. remember he, they tried him out for a starter for a while, and that just didn't work. Bunch of different teams did. Uh-huh, and then he came to the pen and became, for like a three-year stretch, one of the best relievers in baseball. Mm-hmm. So next, Kansas City Royals, Brady Singer. He's 24, but you made sure to put in brackets there in his age 23 season. <laughs> Yeah, some people get technical with that. So technically, it's his age 23 season. He turned 24 since the season started. But an interesting guy, he's a sinker baller, and the Royals are another team similar to what I said with the Padres. When you've been struggling for so long, you've got a whole bunch of guys coming up, a whole bunch of prospects built up, and the Royals are, are one of these teams, even though, of course, they did have the World Series not that long ago quick turnarounds and Singer's one of the guys that they acquired recently as part of this rebuild picked him up in the draft he's 24 years old doesn't have an electric fastball because as most sinker ballers kind of have a repertoire based around contact so what's impressed me so far has been his commands now the stats aren't dazzling through five starts he's got an ERA over four and a half but he's gotten better and better and the command is there, so he doesn't really seem like he's going to be a number one, like not an Arrieta or Felix Hernandez type sinker baller, but he's looked good enough that if he can get the command there, maybe he'll be a Mike Miner type guy, where he'll give you innings, he'll give you control, and he'll be just a solid rotation piece. Yeah, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and I think, as you mentioned, some good minor league numbers as well. He hasn't seen as much success as he'd like to, but it hasn't been as bad as some other players. So do you want to hit the Twins next and Randy Dobnak, who is 25? Yeah, Dobnak, I was surprised to see he's still a rookie because last year we saw him come up and he pitched 28 in the third innings with a 1.6 ERA. He pitched for them in the playoffs and he's been with this team for some time, but didn't hit the threshold, so he's still a rookie and could be a candidate for rookie of the year. So far, he's only pitched 25 innings, but he has an ERA of 1.42. He's looked really good. He's another sinker baller that sits around 90-91, but his command allows him to keep that fastball out of the danger zones, around the edges, and when he mixes in his off-speed and his breaking ball, he's been really good. So another guy that's kind of tough to give a comparison to, but on paper, he, he does look very similar to Brady Singer. So maybe you, you'd stick with the Mike Miner comp, a guy that isn't going to go out there and strike a ton of guys out. That is not his repertoire. But if he can keep the ball on the grounds, I mean, you look at the numbers, he's had success. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 1.59 last year and 28 and a third, as you mentioned. 1.42 this year, as you mentioned, 25 and a third. His K per nine has been odd in 2020, if you're looking at that number. Yeah. <laughs> Five. Yeah. Which seems like basically high school stuff, but hey, he's getting it done so far. 
you want to head to Oakland for Jesus Lazardo, who is 23 years old? Sure. Yeah, he's interesting here because a guy that started slow on this season because he was on the COVID injured list to start the year, missed some time in summer camp, missed the first couple games, but started the season out of the pen and worked his way back into starting. And he looked great to start the year, very strong. Weird situation in San Fran where Frankie Montes was scratched just a last minute before the game. Lazardo was bumped up last minute before the game, and things did not go well there. So his numbers are inflated. He more than doubled his ERA in just that one appearance. Didn't look great, but very, very talented. I love watching this guy pitch. I'm pretty sold on getting a Jesus Lazardo jersey. I think that's what I want to grab. Nice. I don't know if you know the Oakland's new-ish alternate greens. They're like a lighter green. Yeah, I think I've seen them. Nice stuff. They're pretty clean. But uh, yeah, he's he's just really fun to watch. If you get a chance to watch Oakland and he's pitching, I think I've said this very thing on the podcast before, but you got to give it a chance. Lefty with a bit of a deceptive delivery. So his 96 plays up and seems even harder than that. And he has a strong slider and a curveball that don't have a ton of break necessarily. They're, they're solid, but they appear to be even nastier just because of his arm slot and his delivery. So really great pitcher for them. Someone that could be a cornerstone for this franchise. And then next, the Philadelphia Phil- Phillies, our last starter. I have a question before we head to uh, the relievers, but let's just go Philadelphia Phillies. Spencer Howard, 24 years old. This is the last guy I threw on the list because... I'm not really sure what to expect from him, and I don't really have a ton to say about him, but if this list is people to keep an eye out for, he is someone that's worth watching because Philadelphia, they've really struggled with starting pitching. They signed Arietta and he's struggled, and they thought they had a few guys, maybe Nick Pavetta would be good, and he's kind of flamed out, and they just haven't had much of a consistent starting pitcher base, so... Spencer Howard is one of their top prospects, only 24 years old, top 30 prospect coming into this year, according to Baseball America, but through two starts, he hasn't looked too stunning. You know, he doesn't have a blazing fastball that's going to go out there. He's He's got a traditional four-pitch mix. He'll throw a slider, a curveball, and a changeup to go with his fastball, but as a well-composed pitcher, he was able to put up some crazy minor league stats last year and really jump up the prospect lists and it's a guy that's going to get all sorts of opportunities this is a Phillies team that one needs starters and two has a bunch of double headers coming up because they were off for almost an entire week because of the Marlins COVID situation so when it comes to needing arms he's a guy that's going to get some chances and I think it'll be interesting to see how he does all right so my question on starters based on I guess the up-and-coming class versus who's already in the majors What do you think is a trend with newer pitchers compared to those who are in the majors? Well, it's just been velocity up, and that's been a big thing because something that players have at their fingertips now is spin rate stuff. And when you can analyze your spin rate, try a grip, see how it feels, see how it spins, try a different grip, and tweak your mechanics based on spin rate, tweak your mechanics and grips based on those advanced numbers, you can get way more technical and allows you to perfect certain stuff. So we're seeing an uptick in velocity around the league, 
And a lot of these starters are that I mentioned are either sinker ballers that are able to generate and test and tweak crazy spin rates on their fastball or flamethrowers like Pearson and are able to have the ball spinning in a way where it doesn't drop as much, but it stays strong and is more of a bullet and goes even harder. So it's just the data that we have now is allowing pitchers to go almost one of two routes. And it's interesting to see kind of which way people are going and what people are able to do. But for the most part, distinctly, it's just more spinny. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's definitely interesting. And it makes sense that, you know, newer pitchers would utilize that data. And probably in general, just up and coming pitchers have more respect for those types of numbers compared to, you know, <laughs> pitchers in the majors. Like, I believe they did a survey last year where they asked just players in general what's the most important stat and they all said batting average which like i mean we're way past that at this point yeah so uh let's head to the bullpen from our starters and coming out of the bullpen first cleveland's james karinchak who is 24 years old yeah and this is a shorter list because a lot of prospects are developed as starters but Karinchik kind of came out of nowhere to some extent we saw him pitching for these indians last year but he has been insane. One of the best relievers in all of baseball so far. Uh, 0-7-1 ERA through 12 and a third. He has been really great for these Indians. 24 strikeouts in just over 12 innings. Just dominant, dominant stuff. He has, he'd be an all-star this year if there was an all-star game. Fortunately, there's not, of course, but especially for this team that right now they sit in second place in the central, but they've been battling and Brad Hand has struggled a little bit. He has been very valuable for this bullpen. All right. So after Karinchak, Padres, one of the younger players we've mentioned so far, I'm not sure quite, but probably one of the youngest players on this list in general, Luis Patino out of uh, San Diego. So what do you have to say about him? I should not have struggled that much on that name, but oh well. Patino. Yeah, Patino's uh, number. He's number three in this Padres organization. He's a higher profile pitcher than Adrian Morhan is, and he's in the bullpen right now. But he will be a starter, and he projects to be a starter. He's just another piece in an already crazy talented Padres bullpen. He plays as a starter though. His fastball hits ninety seven. Sorry, his fastball averages 97. He can hit even higher than that. Got a strong breaking ball as well. We've only seen him for six and two-thirds so far this season, so not too, too much to say there. But something that I saw floated and I think makes a lot of sense, since neither of them are fully stretched out, we might see him as like the piggyback behind Adrian Morhan, where Morhan will start, go maybe three, four innings, then Patino comes in, maybe goes three, four innings, and if it goes well you're right to the back end of your bullpen. And with expanded rosters, you know, you've got 28 guys, you can afford to do something like that. So again, another guy where we haven't seen too, too much from him to really dive deep on right now, but guy to watch moving forward. Yeah, that should be cool. So next we head to the Dodgers with the 21-year-old Brewstar Gratterall. Did I even get that close to right? You got that perfect. Nice. So what do you have to say about Gratterall? He's interesting because... Visually, he is a stunning pitcher. He throws a 100-mile-an-hour sinker that breaks crazy amounts, similar to what we talked about with Dustin May, his teammate. And the problem with him is that he's 21 years old and he's already a reliever, which 
might not sound like necessarily the worst thing in the world, but the reason that the Twins traded him was because they need starting pitching. They've always struggled recently with starting pitching, so they traded him for Kenta Maeda. That looks really good for the Twins, but the Dodgers don't need starting pitching, so Bruce Argraterol has been a great asset for them. The Red Sox almost acquired him from Mookie Betts, but when they found out that his back issues were preventing him from being a starter, the health issues just uh, scared him off and they didn't want him. But from what he has been, crazy filthy. Fastball is more of a sinker with the amount of break he has on it, but it's got the heat of a fastball, as I mentioned, hitting 100. And he's got a very strong slider. He's looked very good out of the pen so far. Struggled a little bit with hard contact, but if he can get that location down, I mean, the stuff is there. Yeah, so I'll be excited to see how he does. And now he had two position players. Well, actually, if I could give a quick shout out to one more player. Ooh, sorry. He's 27, so he's not officially on the list, but still technically a rookie, if that'll count. Yeah, do it. I'm glad to hear. So Jordan Romano for the Jays has been probably the brightest spot outside of Bobuchet on this Blue Jays team so far. And he's, like I said, 27, but a 6'5 righty reliever who just absolutely overhauled his whole repertoire in the offseason, giving up on trying to start and focusing on being a reliever, amping up the fastball and increasing the spin rate on his slider. And he has been crazy good so far. He's allowed just one run on a solo home run, but outside of that, not a single run. Through 11 innings, he has an 0.82 ERA with only four hits allowed in those 11 innings while he struck out 15. He's been really good and has immediately been an eighth inning back-end guy for this Jays team. All right, yeah, so I'm excited to see him, especially as a Jays fan. And a Canadian Oh, from Markham. Oh! Wow. So he, he's technically, uh, in a way, my uh, half-town brother, because <laughs> yeah. famously, Thornhill, and by famously, I mean basically to anyone living in either Vaughn or Markham, is both in Vaughn and Markham. So yeah, now let's head to catchers. When you got to position players, you really kind of limited the amount of people you've mentioned, I see. Was that a conscious choice, or just that's how many there are at each position? Yeah, there haven't been too, too many young players emerging position player-wise. A lot of them are just coming up, and that's because we've hit the wonderful threshold in the season where teams can manipulate service time and get an extra year out of their players if they call them up now. But I think there's loosely the same amount of pitchers and hitters here, but position to position, there really aren't too, too many until you get to the outfield. All right, great. So let's start with a guy who also, his name happens to double as a player on the Portland Trailblazers, Zach Collins, who is 25 years old. Uh, he's a catcher. And so far, through 35 games in 2019 and 2020, he's a negative 0.6 war. But uh, what's there to look forward to about Collins? Power. Nice. I like power. Yeah, especially from a catcher position. And that's one of the reasons that he is... Uh, such a decent prospect for this team problem is that he's already 25 which for someone that you mentioned hasn't done anything at the major league level is kind of getting up there in age and as the White Sox went out and they signed Yasmany Grandal to a multi-year deal and James McCann has been really good for them as well not sure necessarily where Zach Collins fits this team he's hitless this season 0 for 13 the start of this year but 
Yes, Manny Grandel is currently day-to-day -day with back stiffness. If that turns into anything, all of a sudden, Collins has a route to playing time. But McCann and Grandel have been so sturdy that if they're healthy, he probably won't see much at all. But anytime you see a catch with, with power, you're, you're interested right away because that's kind of scarce at the position. And a guy that's... Right now, maybe not too much to watch, but if one of the two catchers does go down, he, he'll be interesting to see if he can kind of finally take a chance to, to do something with that playing time opportunity. So being that uh, in the majors, he currently has a negative 4.2 DF, and uh, hold on, I forget the level, but I saw he played 166 innings at first base at some point in his minor league career. Sorry, I'm just trying to scroll through that. Do you think that there could be a positional switch at some point? I think first he has to hit, and that's going to be the, the, the major thing. He's not going to get into the lineup if he can't hit as a first baseman, and if he's hitting around league average, he'll have a better chance as a catcher just because of the offensive expectations of playing first base. Jose Abreu isn't going anywhere right now for this White Sox team, it doesn't seem like. So down the line, maybe, especially if they keep Grandal long-term, if they try to extend him through his 30s to have him for the rest of his career there. But as of right now, I think anytime you have a catcher, if he doesn't have health problems, you want to keep him at catcher. And really, the big variable is if Collins will be able to hit and show that power. All right, yeah, and you know, he's... Way big for a catcher at 6'3", 220. Yeah. So next, we head to Oakland once again for Sean Murphy, who is also 25 years old. So both catchers on the older side of this list for sure. Yeah, I think that kind of makes sense when you think about it. Catchers have a lot more to learn when it comes to developing with pitch framing, pitch calling, dealing with pitchers on top of trying to manage hitting and all of that. Both of these guys kind of we saw a little bit last year. And Collins, as you mentioned, wasn't great. Sean Murphy, on the other hand, looked very good last year, and he's looked good to start this year. He's still a rookie, probably not going to be in the rookie of the year conversation unless he really breaks out, but he's an interesting guy. He's going to bat basically every day, whether it's going to be the 8th or the ninth spot. He showed a bit more power last year, but he's shown a bit more discipline and ability to draw walks this year. Been an above-average hitter in both campaigns, albeit in only a 40-game sample size combined. But A's have played 24 games, and he's appeared in 20 of them. So for a catcher, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of production at the plates. But as long as he can control his strikeout problem, he'll have no problems. Right now, he's in the 99th percentile in hard-hit percentage. So when he makes contact, it's going places. But right now, the reason that the average and the the power doesn't match that necessarily is because he's got 16 strikeouts and only 47 at-bats, so he's not even making that hard contact all that often. Just looking at the stat sheet, though, like, there are certainly things to like. Oh, yeah. 129 WRC plus as a catcher and still above average DEF? Yep. I don't know. Maybe I'm already too attached. <laughs> hey, I, now I'm a Sean Murphy fan. Also, another big boy catcher. Is this also a trend? He's 6'3", 232. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's if you can play catcher and you can hit, we'll take you there. I mean, Detroit Tigers have a guy named Grayson Griner who's a 6'6 catcher. There's, yeah, there's, there's, they're getting up there, I'd, I'd say, around the league. 
but it just comes down to if you can hit and you can play catcher, all the better. It's easy to put a guy in the lineup when you say you've got, like you said, 129 WRC plus and he's hitting in your eight or nine hole. He's been great for these A's and I kind of brushed it off. Probably not going to be a rookie of the year candidate, but he'll get some votes with how sturdy he's been if he can keep it up. Yeah, maybe like these big catchers, it's because their parents see like the helmet and the mask and think that they're putting their kid in football. But <laughs> like, geez, big boys, bigger than I remember. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, we head to first base now. Uh, you got one first baseman up, Seattle Mariner Evan White, who is 24 years old. What can you tell me about Mr. Evan White? Well, he is one of the interesting prospects that got signed to a long-term deal before ever playing in the major leagues. Which, of course, is risky if you're the team. Not as risky if you're the player because he was guaranteed $24 million before ever stepping on the field in Seattle. But it does cover up his first three potential free agency years and it makes sense and allows him to come right up without manipulating service time or any of that. But what makes him so interesting besides the contract and the expectations is just what an athlete he is at first base. A great fielder, awesome defensively. So is Seth Nevsky. Yeah, truly. Someone that can do it all. Could be a borderline Olympian if he wanted to. Just, yeah, yeah an absolute Seth Nevsky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 84th percentile sprint speed for a catcher is really good as well. Not sure how you'd stack up there, but... I'd do well. <laughs> but yeah, just just realistically, though, that those are all impressive numbers. I'm not sure if you're looking at his defensive metrics there, but he passes the eye test. I believe he's well-liked by all the sabermetrics as well when it comes to defense. Similar to a couple of the guys we've talked about, a lot of the players, the young batters, are going to need to deal with strikeouts. And <laughs> problem for Evan White is he's in the second percentile of whiff rate as in 98% of players are whiffing less than he is, and his average is just 139 at the plates, but he's in the 96th percentile of hard hits, and the power is there, the strength is there, you know defense and speed never slump, it's just he has an interesting case study to watch at age 24, can this guy get the bat turned around, because this is a short season, and when you dig yourself a hole like a 139 average, it's going to take you some time to get back up to somewhere a bit more respectable. Yeah, speaking on his hitting, a 45 WRC+. plus. Yeah. So, not very good, but, I mean, clearly, as you mentioned, he has the tools, he has the size, the athleticism, Seth Nevsky-ish almost. So, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he does it. Maybe he becomes a solid MLB guy. So, next, let's go to second base. We got a 25-year-old for the New York Mets, Mr. Luis Guillorme. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah he's you know i was waiting too <laughs> he's another interesting case because different from some of the guys i've mentioned where i've said okay you know murphy's gonna play you know evan white's gonna play guillaume doesn't necessarily have a path to get a ton of playing time and a guy that doesn't have the same kind of prospect glimmer but he's hitting 458 and on base percentage over 500 slugging 542 only 25 years old, but he can play second, he can play third, he can play short. He doesn't have a ton of playing time available to him, and that's because the Mets have all sorts of young talent on the infield. Ahmed Rosario has been healthy playing shortstop, and Andres Jimenez is another guy that I want to give a quick shout-out to. He's only age 21, 
but he is a bit more of a higher prospect for them. He's a guy that they expect to be around long-term and struggled a little bit so far with a batting average a little lower than he's projected and an OPS plus only at 76, but currently leads the MLB with six steals and can play some defense. So the Mets right now, maybe some question marks in the rotation as everyone's getting hurt, but at the very least, they're getting some bright signs from their young middle infielders. All right, and next we have for the Philadelphia Phillies at third base. He's 24, but once again in his age 23 season, Alec Bone. Yeah, another guy, and you nailed Bohm, by the way. Nice job there. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, another guy that's got hitting tools, and he is expected to hit a ton. He's already batting sixth in this Phillies lineup, despite only being called up this past week. And the result of being called up only this past week, there's not a ton of numbers to really talk about. So far, he is six for 17. He's got a pair of doubles, a pair of RBIs, but... If you're talking about someone that's going to be worth watching, worth knowing, I think it's significant he's already hitting sixth in this Phillies lineup because you haven't seen too much from Reese Hoskins this year. McCutcheon's another guy that's slumped. And the Phillies manager, Joe Torre, clearly not messing around, putting him right up in that lineup. He's started all five games since he's been called up. And a guy with serious pop who's going to have a serious chance to show it off. All right, so I'll be excited to watch him for sure. Another big boy, 6'5", 225. So next, let's talk about Carter Keyboom, who, if I believe, is a, a very highly touted prospect at age 22. Yeah, he is. And that was one of the reasons the Nationals were kind of okay with moving on from Anthony Rendon. Of course, they wanted them back, and the fans wanted them back, and he's a great player. But when it came down to him or Strasburg, who are they resigning? They picked Strasburg, and one of the reasons is because they knew Carter Keyboom was just about ready to come up and play third base every day. He's another guy that's going to be penciled in this lineup almost every single day. Right now at the plate, he struggled a little bit, and he struck out 16 times in only 40 at-bats. Not great. He's only got four walks to those 16 strikeouts. Also not great. But a guy that is lauded similar to, I guess similar you'd say to maybe a Jose Ramirez type, where you hope he hits up around 300, a little over, and if things go perfectly right, he shows off the power as well and can hit 30-plus home runs. So far, he doesn't have an extra base hit to his name in his 40 at-bats. It's still very early on, getting used to MLB pitching, but... As you said, yeah, a highly touted prospect and someone that these Nationals fans can have little reason to watch despite the fact that their team currently sits in last place. Speaking of Nationals, I believe one of the two 20-year-olds on this list at shortstop, Luis Garcia. So what do you have to say about Mr. Garcia? Well, first off, he set history this past week becoming the first player born in the 2000s to hit a home run which is kind of cool. Nice. Representing. <laughs> yeah. The Jays had the first player in the 2000s last year with a Rule 5 pick, Elvis Luciano. But Garcia, the first one to leave the yard. And he can play short, he can play second, but he's playing second right now for these Nationals. Came up as a shortstop all the way through the minors, but with Trey Turner there, I mean, it makes sense. He's going to be moved somewhere else. 
Starlin Castro broke his hand and was moved to the IL. So, guess what? Luis Garcia gets his first chance. I mentioned the home run. He's got two extra base hits in his first four games and seven hits between those four, driving in four runs as well. So, quick start for his uh, career at the plates, but a guy that we haven't seen too, too much of, so you can't really draw too many conclusions. Yeah, but I mean, certainly in his first four games, he's looked good. Yep. But another guy, and obviously we've spoken of people who defy this sort of rule, even if it might not even be considered a rule if this is so common, but not really much of a hitter at the double A level in 2019 in a bunch of games at 79 WRC plus. But hey, four games is four games, and we'll see what happens with him. Yep. And a short a position like middle infield. There's a lot more to it than straight-up offensive performance. It's not not like a first base necessarily, or he's not going to be DHing as expected to do that kind of thing, but a guy with a little bit of speed and some solid fielding, contact tools are there if he can find things out, and you definitely expect more than 79 WRC plus from him, but uh, definitely not going to be a true slugger, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And speaking of someone who I previously brought up, for defying kind of that idea, uh, is Kyle Lewis, who you kind of said is is similar to Cody Bellinger and through 24 games this season, even his, you know, 18 last season. I mean, he's really just hitting the hell out of the ball. And as you've mentioned, similar size at 6'4", 210 as well. Yeah, and he's impressed and currently sits as the front runner for Rookie of the Year in the American League. Uh, Very talented rookie class of outfielders currently in the American League, but... He leads the way. He's got 31 hits, which brings him to a 344 average, and that's the best in the American League. Charlie Blackman in the NL has more hits because he's just been killing everything, but 31 hits for the rookie Kyle Lewis is a very impressive number. He leads the Mariners in home runs with five, runs scored with 16, and the problem with him, as I've mentioned with a few others, is the strikeouts. He's got 26 strikeouts to his name already, only 13 walks to go with it, but it looks good in the field, plays good defense, and if he keeps hitting like he's been hitting, you can look past the strikeouts. What I'm confused about, I just uh, I looked up his Google images, is that he's a major leaguer as big as he is who chokes up on the bat? Yeah. Why do that? I mean, contact first, right? There's a reason that he's higher up in the leaderboards in terms of hits than home runs not necessarily selling out for power, and so far, it's I guess it's worked for him. Yeah, for sure. So next, we head to Los Angeles for the Angels for Mr. Joe Adele at age 21. And he started off his career a little tough with a blooper where he missed a fly ball and it went off his glove over the wall for a home run. Not a pretty look for him in the field, but he is projected as a true five-tool outfielder with some glove, with some speed, power, the whole shebang. A little bit of a tough start to his career at the plate. He is yet to hit an extra base hit, going seven for his first 35, all seven of those singles. But I think it's important for a young hitter to have consistent at-bats, and Joe Madden has said that he's going to give it to him. And as soon as he was promoted, he took the starting outfield spot away from Justin Upton, away from Brian Goodwin, who had been hitting quite well. And they've moved into like a platoon role where they're taking some time in the field, playing some DH. But Adele's getting chances. 
and currently hasn't shown as much as you might hope. But, like I said, a guy to keep an eye on, a guy to watch. At only age 21, he is going to be in the major leagues for a while. And it's definitely, at the very least, a name you've got to know right now. Looks like this is me saying hello to Adele. Bad pun. But if I had the soundboard, I'd play that uh, the drum thing afterward. But that still isn't working for me. Yeah, let's not talk about the soundboard right now. Yeah, it, it might bring up some strong feelings. But um, next, let's go to St. Louis for the Cardinals. Dylan Carlson, who is 21 years old. How has he been doing for the Cardinals? Not killing it quite yet. Three for 21 to start his career. But... He's going to have all sorts of chances to hit, and they're going to come at him fast because the Cardinals have a stacked schedule the rest of the way where there's going to be a bunch of games in not so many days, lots of double headers, And so far he's played in all six games since he's been called up in both double headers, He's been getting lots of at-bats. Like I said, hasn't produced results yet, but he's athletic. He can play the field a little bit. We've seen him play all three outfield positions for the Cardinals already in just six appearances. And scouts like him because, like I said, he's athletic and a switch hitter that has a bit of power and is a bat-first type of guy. So he's really going to have to turn that bat around if he wants to stay in this lineup, a team that's trying to contend and make up for lost time. We talk about projections. I haven't, <laughs> I guess I've fallen off on giving projections to the last few guys. I forgot you mentioned that. It's all good. <laughs> I, I should have told you ahead of time. No, it just slipped my mind even after you said that. But I, I was reading an article on Carlson that kind of projected him at the plate to a Marcelo Zuna or Yasiel Puig type guy where he can hit kind of around the 25 30 home run range with an average just a hair below 300. And obviously pretty high ceiling, especially when he switch hits and can play the outfield pretty well. So a guy to keep an eye on. And at only age 21, he's got lots of time ahead of him. Yeah, just looking at this in 22 plate appearances, a WRC plus of three. He certainly has a lot of hits to make up for at this point. Only 21 at-bats. Yeah, not not a bunch, but I mean, three is just a striking number. <laughs> Next, we had to, we've spoken of him a bunch, and he's another guy who I believe you said he got the contract before this season, so he doesn't need to worry about the whole service time thing. Luis Robert, uh, who's now 23, but came in to the season at age 22. Yeah, the, doesn't have to worry about the contract. The one thing he has to worry about is maybe his wrist, because he made a diving catch last night, and as he was sliding across the grass... All right, he tried to make a diving catch. He, he missed it, but just add insult to injury, quite literally. But as he was sliding across the grass, his glove kind of hit the ground and got pulled back and bent his wrist slash hands back a little bit, and he was pulled from the game. We don't know if it's serious. Don't know how long he'll be out for, if he will be out, but got to mention that if we're talking about him. But he's been really good at the plate. I mean, something, if you want to give a comparison, it's an ambitious one. But maybe, like, very first season rookie Mike Trout, where he Ooh. was striking out a bunch and stealing bases. Because with with Robert, we're talking 97th percentile sprint speed so far. He's already stolen four bases. He's looked very good in the field. 99th percentile in outs above average in center field, which is... a uh, a range with targeted defensive metrics in each direction. He's looked really good. 
but the strikeouts have been a problem. And that's why I kind of hearkened him to the Trout comparison, because that was his biggest problem. And he's worked on that, and he's improved that. He's gotten his walk rate up, and he's developed into potentially the greatest hitter that we'll ever see. But with Robert, we haven't seen signs of that. Obviously, he's still in his rookie season. He's only age 23, just barely. And he's got to figure out either working up the walks from what he only has now at 7, or bringing down the strikeouts, which are already way up at 32 recorded for him. Hey, it's almost literally impossible to get a better comparison. So, <laughs> well, a, a very guess, raw trout, and that's why I say right. because you don't you don't see many guys with this power and this speed and the fielding ability just ready to go. So it is rare, and there really aren't too many other guys to compare him to. Maybe Beltran, but even that's a good comp, like very yeah. very prolific one. You know, Beltran. They were talking Hall of Fame before that thing happened, and I guess we'll see. You know, you mentioned previously the whole PD thing, how that might affect the Astros thing down the line. Next, we head to the last player. Hasn't been called up yet, but I'd assume that you think he will be. Or maybe he was, but it says AAA still in fan graphs, so maybe you could educate me there. Christian Pache? Pache? Yep, Pache. Kind of tough, because the reason he is up, or is about to be up, or however you perceive it, he was called up yesterday but hasn't appeared yet. So Aha. So I guess you'd say he is up. Right. But the reason he's up is because Nick Markakis was exposed to COVID-19 and is placed on the COVID IL. And if you remember Markakis, a guy who opted out and then decided to come back because he felt bad for leaving his team, just an unfortunate coincidence that he is the one that is going on the COVID IL. Hopefully all the best there. He is tested negative so far, but they're just being cautious with it. But either way, Braves fans, it enables them to be able to see Christian Pache in action. And to start things off, he's, his comp is maybe kind of a Kevin Kiermeyer with a little less speed and a little more power. Because first things first, what a lot of people know him as is a defensive center fielder. But he can hit 20-plus home runs, maybe 30-plus, if according to some of the more optimistic projections and scouting reports you look at. Um all through the system, he basically came up alongside Drew Waters, who was another talented outfielder in their system. But Pache was always the guy who played center. And recently, they moved Acuna to the corner outfield because he was playing center before that. Basically, seems like they're clearing the way for Pache to be their center fielder for years to come. Interesting to see what he can do. He hasn't debuted yet, so he's the only guy in this list that, if you're hearing this, you might still be able to catch his debut. It'll come likely sometime this week. But we haven't heard any official announcements about that. All right. So those are all the prospects or, you know, up and comers that you've told me to outline. Give me a top five of like you most need to watch and you project them to be the best. Well, first off, I said Dustin May could be the best player in baseball 10 years from now. Best pitcher at the very least. I stand by that. I think he is the firm number one guy in this list. I think Jesus Lazardo is probably number two. He's got electric stuff, crazy talented. Joe Adele and Luis Robert I want to put together because neither of them, like they both have problems to sort out, but they both have crazy high ceilings. And Adele is two years younger than Robert still. And both of them are probably going to be two of the best outfielders in the American League for the next long while. 
And the fifth spot, I could go a bunch of different ways because, as I said, there is so much talent on this list. But I'll go for Nate Pearson just because if he can figure stuff out and he comes back healthy and he comes back throwing 102, you can't miss that. All right, awesome stuff. Anything else you'd like to say? No, I think that's it. All right, so thanks for listening to the Outside Baseball Podcast and see you guys next week.